And welcome to another episode of Live Till 5. I'm your host, Jared Baldwin. It's Friday, March 23rd, 3.05 p.m. here on our live local Talk and Variety program. Broadcasting high atop the campus of Harvest Ministries from the worldwide headquarters of Harvest Family Radio, KHMG 88.1 FM, Barragata Guam. Glad to be with you today. It is the last day of spring break for Harvest Christian Academy, so the campus of Harvest Ministries is pretty vacant right now. But we are still here, hoping to entertain you a little bit, educate you, inform you, and edify you, build you up in your Christian walk. We have a number of different things going on today, running the show mostly solo today. Lawrence Nagengas is in Saipan, golfing with some friends. Chris Harper's got the day off. Sebastian kind of got me up and running. And uh, yeah, so it's just me and you, the listener. Love to hear from you today. Go to our Facebook page, Harvest Family Radio Guam. If you've never been there before, subscribe. Then you'll get notified anytime we have a new podcast or maybe we want to send out a link to all our social media contacts for different things. We update it every day, just about. It's a great source for us to hear back from you. You know, when we broadcast radio, we don't always know who's listening. There's no device that tells us how many people are tuned in to their actual radios. Now, people listening on live, uh, live stream, we can tell how many people are logged in there. And you can listen through khmg.org. So if you're sitting at your desk or you're not near a radio, you can still listen to the radio, believe it or not. khmg.org. Just click on the listen button there. There's also different ways you can listen. On our website, you can find different apps that you can download, uh, resources that... Basically, if you have a Wi-Fi-enabled device, you can uh, connect to a stream that broadcasts FM radio, and KHMG 88.1 FM is one of those radio stations that does that. So, you can listen a lot of different ways. Maybe you're driving in your car, and you're listening to the radio dial, 88.1 FM, or over on the left-hand side of the dial, down at the bottom. Beautiful, Bible-based, Christian broadcasting, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. And we've been on the air for 22 years as of this upcoming Monday. 22 years. It's pretty amazing. 22 years, seven days a week, 24 hours a day, Bible-based programming, beautiful Christian music, intending to help you grow in your walk with Christ. And originally, the audience was relatively small, just one area of Guam. Then it's kind of spread now to all of Guam and really all around the world because people are listening online all the time. This show, we get feedback from people all around the world as well that maybe they used to live here and they used to listen to the show and as they moved away, they took a little bit of Live Till 5 with them by tuning into the podcasts. You know, you can download this podcast, by the way, through our website. Okay. All right. We are we are just working through some technical difficulties here because we want our live stream folks to be able to hear not only just the bumper music, but also our 
our discussions as well. So during the break, we'll we'll work on that. But uh, glad you could be with us today on this Friday, March twenty third. We do have with us. Um, we do have in front of me here the list of observances for the month of March. Now, March is a special month. A lot of different holidays in March this year, um, including St. Patrick's Day, of course, every year. And then we have this week is Palm Sunday. It's an observance where it it recognizes the triumphal entry of Christ into Jerusalem the week before the crucifixion. And then, of course, April 1st this year is Easter, Resurrection Sunday. So we'll be talking about that later on. But wanted to recognize some of the things that are happening in March, including but not limited to National Ethics Awareness Month, National Eye Donor Month, National Flower, F-L-O-U-R, like baking flour, also National Flower, F-L-O-W-E-R, so it's Flower and Flower Month, Frozen Food, Kidney, Kite Month starts this week, March into Literacy, Multiple Sclerosis Education and Awareness, Noodle Month, Nutrition Month, On Hold Month, Optimism Month, Peanut Month, Poison Prevention Awareness, Problem Gambling Awareness, Professional Social Workers, Sauce, or Souse as some people say it, Social Work, Umbrella, Women Inventors, Women's History, Recorder Month, and Ebook Month. It's also Red Cross Month, Rosacea Month, Save Your Vision Month, Sing With Your Child Month, Spiritual Wellness, Supply Management, uh, Vascular Anomalies Awareness, Workplace Eye Health and Safety Awareness, and Youth Arts Month. Wow, a lot of things happening in March. Let's talk about some of the weekly observances. This week, 21st through 27th, International Week of Solidarity for People Struggling Against Racism and Discrimination. Crossword Puzzles Week is the 23rd through the 25th, so that's starting today. World Irish Dancing Week starts on the 24th. Holy Week starts on the 25th. Cleaning Week, the 25th. That sounds like a week I could I could enjoy. I really like things clean. Protocol Officers Week is the 25th through the 31st. Pediatric Nurse Practitioner Week. Thank you to all you pediatric nurse practitioners. Starts on the 25th. Physicians Week, 25th through the 31st, keeping us healthy. And Nano Days, the last day of March through the 8th of April. And then finally some of the daily observances, things that are happening right now on the 23rd. Let's see here as I flip my paper that was provided me so generously by Bob the Librarian here. National Chia Day. Are you new, Are any of you healthy people into putting chia seeds into your water for extra fiber? That used to just be something that grew on like a little terracotta pot, like a chia Chia Head, Chia Pet, Cha 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 Chia, National Chip and Dip Day, Melba Toast Day, Organize Your Home Office Day is today, Puppy Day, Tamale Day, ooh, that sounds good, Near Miss Day, OK Day, and Meteorological Day, the 24th, tomorrow. Uh, let's see here. Earth Hour is tomorrow at 8.30 p.m., worldwide event. Turn off your power for 60 minutes to help save the planet. Um, International Day uh, for the Right to the Truth Concerning Gross Human Rights Violations for the Dignity of Victims Day. Cheesesteak Day. Chocolate-Covered Raisin Day. Those aren't nearly as popular as they used to be. Uh, Take Your Parents to the Playground Day. 
World Tuberculosis Day. Okay, the 25th, Greek Independence Day and uh, National Day of Celebration of Greek and American Democracy. International Day of Remembrance for the Victims of Slavery and Transatlantic Slave Trade. Let's see here. International Day of the Unborn Child is Sunday as well. International Waffle Day, Maryland Day, Cerebral Palsy Day, Lobster Newberg Day, Medal of Honor Day, Pecan Pie, Pecan Pie, or Pecan Pie. Okay, all three of those are celebrated on Sunday. Old New Year's Day, Palm Sunday, and Tolkien Reading Day, like J.R.R. Tolkien, Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit, etc., the 26th Legal Assistance Day, Make Your Own Holiday Day, Maryland Day Observed, National Nougat Day. You know, like that 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 sticky substance inside of a Milky Way candy bar? That's nougat. I don't really know what it's made of. I need to maybe look that up, but I know it's not good for you, but it sure is tasty. I used to always feel kind of gypped, though. If I got a candy bar full of nougat, like a Milky Way, and my friends got a Snickers, because Snickers has nougat, caramel, and peanuts covered in chocolate, whereas a Milky Way just has nougat covered in chocolate, but they're the same price. Doesn't seem fair, does it? Um, Or you could get a Zero candy bar, which I grew up thinking those were the best, because we'd only get those on special occasions. Then I got one of those a couple years ago, and it was awful. So it's a nougat candy bar covered in white chocolate, and it just tasted so stale compared to a regular candy bar. So anyway, I digress. Uh, American Diabetes Association Alert Day is the 27th. Celebrate Exchange Day. Education and Sharing Day in the U.S. Uh, Spanish Paella Day on the 27th. Ooh, some of our Spanish friends. That would be a great day to celebrate the 27th. Spanish Paella Day. It's a great little... I'm probably not doing it justice to describe it this way, but it's kind of like a rice casserole that is very popular in Spain and other Latin countries. They all have different versions of it, but very tasty. One of my favorites, one of my favorite Spanish dishes, Spanish Paella Day is the 27th. Quirky Country Music Song Titles Day and World Theater Day is the 27th. 28th, Barnum and Bailey Day, Manatee Appreciation Day, National Black Forest Cake Day, one of my favorite cakes, by the way. Respect Your Cat Day, Something on a Stick Day, Weed Appreciation Day, and Whole Grain Sampling Day. 29th, Knights of Columbus Founders Day, Little Red Wagon Day, Maundy Thursday, Lemon Chiffon Cake Day, Mom and Pop Business Owners Day, and uh, Vietnam Vets Day. The 30th, First Day of Passover, Good Friday, National Doctors Day, National I Am In Control Day, Take a Walk in the Park Day, Turkey Neck Soup Day, and World Marbles Day. And then finally, the last day, uh, a little over a week from now, eight days from now, last day of the month, Cesar Chavez Day, Eiffel Tower Day, Holy Saturday, National Bunsen Burner Day, National Clams on the Half Shell Day, Crayon Day, uh, Oranges and Lemons Day, Taters Day, and uh, Transfer Day, which is in the U.S. Virgin Islands, and then World Backup Day. Those are all observances that are happening this week, this month, and today. 
So I'd like to take a short break. When we come back, of course, we're going to have a little more live till five. We have two hours of this live local radio program this afternoon. I'm Jared Baldwin, your host. It is Friday, March 23rd, episode 258. Stick around for more live till five after this short break. Back with a little more live till five. I'm Jared Baldwin, your host. It is three nineteen p.m. on Friday, March twenty third. Glad to have you with us today. Broadcasting high atop the campus of Harvest Ministries from the worldwide headquarters of Harvest Family Radio. This is live till five, episode two hundred fifty eight. Two hundred fifty eight. Hard to believe we've been on the air more than five years, and it's also even a greater feat that Harvest Family Radio has been on the air for 22 years, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, broadcasting here locally on Guam from the tower at Barragata Heights, but broadcasting all around the world ever since we started streaming the radio probably, I don't know, we probably started streaming it 10 years ago maybe, uh, through our website and then through live stream and different ways of streaming our our content over the last few years, podcasting, things like that, at least over the last five or six. And you can listen online. KHMG, that's our call sign, khmg.org. You can download podcasts of this show and many other great programs, like Building Great Leaders with Dr. Les Olala, um, Take Note with Chris Harper, Living Redemptively with Dr. Douglas McLaughlin. Harvest Time with Pastor Marty Heron. Harvest Time Asia, which we broadcast into uh, countries that are that are difficult to get in as a missionary. We're broadcasting it with partnership with Transworld Radio. And we, we are able to do that over this last uh, six months. We've really enjoyed doing that. Hope to continue that as well. And we are able to do a number of other really neat things here at Harvest Family Radio. This is really the center. This this work center here is the center of a lot of our communications that come out of our ministry. Just right outside the door of the studio here, we have our guys that run the videography department and our web department. And so the everything is coordinated. So when we put something out on the radio, we also try to make sure it's out on social media 
If there's video content available, we try to make sure that's available through the website. And so we're able to monitor and manage all those things with the same group of guys. And so we have we have a great team up here with Ray's, Joe, Sebastian, and Chris. And if you've been listening to the show for any length of time, you've heard all of those guys on this program because we'll sometimes, you know, corral them into coming in and sitting in on part of the show. And usually the free drinks and what's in my coffee will do it for them and bring them in. But glad to have you with us on this Friday afternoon, March 23rd. I'm here all by my lonesome running the show. Reminds me of the good old days. You know, we had we had someone here, for those of you who are newer listeners or more recent audience members, we had someone here for almost 19 years, John Collier. He was here before the station even began. He was brought out here to help establish the station. I believe it took him almost a year to get the equipment and the licensing and everything, and he built it with his own bare hands. And then he managed the station for almost 19 years, 18, 19 years. And really, everything we have here at KHMG is a result of the vision of Pastor John Lewis and then the hard work of John Collier. And he established a great thing here with Harvest Family Radio and kind of helped set the standard very high for broadcast excellence here at KHMG. And everything I learned before I became the interim station manager, I learned from John Collier. So we we actually did a station remodel and some new equipment and relocated some different things. And John Collier was right in the middle of all that. And I learned all that with him. I learned how to do some broadcasting, although I'm still kind of an amateur really, compared to Chris Harper and John Collier and people like that. But really enjoyed the time I got to work with John. And then I took over as the station manager as an interim for about a year, so we were looking for a new station manager, and they're just, you know, it's not like they're a dime a dozen. I mean, you have to find people that have experience, have been on the air, they understand the technology enough to where they know when to call for backup and, and when to fix it themselves. Um, they have a, a certain presence and, and confidence and maturity on the air. You can't just put anyone on the radio because... It is a representation of the overall ministry. So people will make an impression, formulate an impression, an opinion of the ministry based on the voice on the radio and how they carry themselves. Now, of course, Live Till Five is kind of this lighthearted, sometimes silly, sometimes, you know, very lightweight, I guess you could say, approach to to our radio station, but really this is the only program that is like that. Everything else is very devotional, Bible preaching, Bible teaching, beautiful Christian music, sacred, and so we intend it to be that way. So don't judge all of KHMG just by this two-hour program every Friday because uh, this is a little different than the rest of the station, but it's by design as well. We want to give a nice alternative on Friday afternoons. A lot of times it's just a great time just to take a little breather before you go into the weekend if you ever miss part of the show, by the way, we rebroadcast all two hours of this show on Saturdays from noon to 2 and Sunday nights from 7 to 9 p.m. So catch us on the rebound, Saturdays noon to 2, Sunday nights 7 to 9 p.m. And you can listen to the show in its entirety. And again, you can download the podcast if you go to khmg.org. Now, by the numbers, just a few numbers I found in World Magazine here. Uh, let's see here. 
1,175 points is the loss of the, on the Dow Jones Industrial Average uh, a couple weeks ago. Largest single-day drop in points ever. That was on February 5th. 101 were the number of battleground House seats uh, Democrats say they are targeting to win in the November midterm elections. 23%. 23% is the number of the percentage of Americans worried about losing their jobs to robots, according to a Gallup poll. Are you worried about losing your job to a robot? There are some jobs that, I guess, are a lot more susceptible to that. So maybe as that starts to happen, then retrain as a robot programmer. 915, the average number of DACA beneficiaries per day that will face deportation starting March 6th if lawmakers do not reach a compromise on immigration legislation. I believe they did reach a compromise on that. So this is this occurred just a few weeks before that. This was on March 3rd, actually a few days before that. 2,491 is the number of proteins found in dog saliva. Ooh, As reported in a new study published by PLOS1. Okay. Many, uh, uh, many serve immunity or antimicrobial functions. 2,491 different proteins found in dog saliva. So as you let your puppy give you little wet kisses on the face, just remember there's about 2,500 proteins that are being slathered all over your face when the dog does that. Okay. Now, let me uh, share with you a nice little segment. This is based on kind of a fun book that was presented to me by Helen Middlebrook, one of our faithful listeners from day one. She's been been listening and her family members as well. And uh, she's even been on the show with us a couple times. And I think she's back in the States helping take care of her new grandbaby. But happy little accidents is what I call this segment. Uh, accidents may happen. 50 inventions discovered by mistake by Charlotte Fultz Jones. This is a little scholastic type book. I call it Happy Little Accidents because we don't always just use this book. Uh, we don't intend to at least. But right now, today, a happy little accident. Remember last week, we talked about the crack in the Liberty Bell. This week, Independence Day. July 4th is a great time to have a picnic. And the fireworks are worth waiting all years for. But maybe Independence Day should have been on June 7th or July 2nd or July 8th or August 2nd. Records show that Richard Henry Lee of Virginia introduced the Continental Congress a motion for a Declaration of Independence on June 7th, 1776. The document had to be written, then rewritten. The Congress declared independence in Philadelphia on July 2nd, 1776. Congress celebrated independence on July 8th of that year. And there was a big public celebration with guns firing and soldiers parading. Congress celebrated, but New York didn't even vote on the resolution until July 9th. And the declaration was signed by most of the delegates on August 2nd, not July 4th. Not even in July at all. A few didn't sign until later. One, Thomas McKean, didn't sign until 1781, five years later. But Thomas Jefferson's document titled The Declaration of Independence was dated July 4th. It seems that the document declaring independence became more important than the actual act of declaring independence. Very interesting. So we celebrate the 4th of July solely because on the Declaration of Independence, it says July 4th, not because that's the day that we declared independence. Here's another happy little accident, the national anthem, while we're on this patriotic theme. Important government documents don't just happen. They are written and rewritten and rewritten, just like the Declaration 
Declaration of Independence, which we just mentioned. Wouldn't you think that anything as important as the country's national anthem would be written by a carefully selected poet or songwriter? America's national anthem didn't begin that way. Francis Scott Key was a lawyer. His friend, Dr. William Beans, I'm sure he grew up being called Beans by all his buddies, had been taken prisoner by the British during the War of 1812. Beans was held aboard a British warship off of the coast of Maryland near Fort McHenry. On September 13, 1814, during a brief truce, Key went aboard the British ship to ask for his friend's release. The British agreed to release Beans, but insisted on keeping both men aboard the ship overnight so that they couldn't reveal the plan for attack on Fort McHenry. Throughout the night, September 13, 1814, and into the early hours of September 14, Key watched the bombs bursting in air from the ship's deck. The next morning, in the dawn's early light, Key was relieved to see the star-spangled banner still flying over the fort that he wrote a poem about it on the back of an envelope. An actor named Ferdinand Durang sang the poem to the tune of An Ancreon in Heaven, which was an old English drinking and love song. The tune stuck. While the Army and Navy used it as an anthem, the Star-Spangled Banner was not officially declared the national anthem of the United States for another 117 years. In 1931, President Herbert Hoover issued a presidential proclamation designating, quote, the Star-Spangled Banner, end quote, as the national anthem. Here's some flabbergasting facts about that. It is illegal in several states to dance to the Star-Spangled Banner. Some people believe the Star-Spangled Banner is a glorification of war, Music critics say the tune is very difficult for the average person to sing. Maybe that's why so many celebrities mess it up at the beginning of giant sporting events. The Star-Spangled Banner is sung at sporting events more than at any other kind of occasion. That is probably true. There you go. So, some happy little accidents there. Neat little tidbits from history that uh, reveal kind of the story behind the story. Let's take a short break. When we come back... We'll have just a little more Live Till 5, about 30 minutes left in this first hour. Stick around. Stay tuned to Live Till 5. Make sure you go on our Facebook page, Harvest Family Radio Guam. Give us a thumbs up. Send me a message. Let me know you're listening. And uh, we'll continue. You're listening to Live Till 5 on 88.1 FM, KHMG Harvest Family Radio. I'm Jared Baldwin, your host. Friday, March 23rd, 3.32 p.m., episode 258. Stick around. More Live Till 5 after this short break. With a little more live till five. Got a text from our friend CW. Yes, you did hear me right. It is World Meteorological Day. And I'm looking up a little note about this here. World Meteorological Day. It it seems like this is a more popular holiday abroad than it is in the US. Because the first few things that pop up on Google are all 
international weather sites like from India, Bangladesh, places like that. United Nations UN World Meteorological Day is an annual is annually held around March 23rd to remember the World Meteorological Organization's establishment on that date in 1950. Many different activities and events were organized on this occasion, usually, but they got rained out. Just kidding. See what I did there? What do people do on this day? According to the timeanddate.com website. World Meteorological Day often features various events such as conferences, symposia, and exhibitions for meteorological professionals, community leaders, and the general public. Some events aim to attract media attention to raise meteorology's profile. Good idea. uh, Many prizes for meteorological research are presented or announced on or close to World Meteorological Day. These prizes include the International Meteorological Organization Prize, Professor Dr. Vio Vasquilala Award and the Norbert Gerber Mum International Award. Many countries issue postage stamps or special postage stamp cancellation marks to celebrate World Meteorological Day. These stamps often reflect the event's theme or mark a country's meteorology achievements. It's a global observance and not a public holiday. There you go. That's good to know. Different themes. Let's see. Uh, in the past, they had weather, climate, and the air we breathe, 2009. 2008 was observing our planet for a better future. This would be good uh, banners. Uh, let's see. Polar meteorology, understanding global impacts in 2007, preventing and mitigating natural disasters, 2006. 2005, weather, climate, water, and sustainable development. 2004, weather, climate, water, and information age. And 2003, our future climate. 2002, it's raining, it's pouring, the old man is snoring. No, I'm just kidding. I made that one up. But the rest of them are true. So happy World Meteorological Day. Glad that we could, uh, you know, promote that. Actually, we have a very good friend who's a meteorologist, and it is a serious profession. And they have helped, if you think about living on Guam, meteorologists... Not, not necessarily the ones that you see on the news every day, but the ones who work at the National Weather Service. They, their job can save lives and property and their jobs. They do all the hard work so the rest of us can just live our lives at ease. So thank you to Mike Middlebrook and Chip Guard and the other guys over there at National Weather Service and happy World Meteorological Day, all the other stuff the World Meteorological Day observance stuff, as I was reading that on the website, no disrespect intended there at all. We have a lot of respect for these guys, and they really... The the, the thing is, when you really need them, I mean, they become the most important person in your life because you have to know what's going to happen. When's the typhoon coming? What about that tsunami? Things like that. So very helpful. Thank you to the meteorologists in our lives. Now, Today, being March 23rd, I couldn't get this day in history for March 23rd. So I'm going to talk about yesterday in history instead of this day in history. So, you know, bear with me. I could call it this week in history, but in all honesty, all these things happen on the 22nd. So people that might have been listening to the live stream and they're in a time zone where they're still on the 22nd, then it's this day in history. But did you know this day in history... The Stamp Act was imposed on American colonies 
And a little bit of background on this. This is what led to the Boston Tea Party, so the Stamp Act, uh, because it was a, I believe it's a form of taxation without representation. There were some other things that happened on this day. Let me see here. I have have a list here in front of me. The Origins of the Hummer, 1983. The Pentagon Awards production contract worth over $1 billion to AM General Corporation developed 55,000 high-mobility, multi-purpose wheeled vehicles. The HMMWV, nicknamed the Humvee, designed to transport troops and cargo. Wide, rugged vehicles entered the spotlight when they were used. Uh, let's see. Braxton Bragg was born in 1817. On this day, 1947, Truman orders loyalty checks of federal employees. Hmm. 1984, teachers are indicted at the Martin McMartin Preschool. Uh, let's see here. 1859, earthquake destroys landmarks in Quito, Ecuador. 2014, mudslides in Washington State kills more than 40 people. 1820, naval hero killed in a duel. Stephen Decatur, hero of the Barbary Wars, mortally wounded in a duel with disgraced Navy Commodore James Barron. 1945, the Arab League was formed. That's Egypt, Syria, Lebanon, Transjordan, Saudi Arabia, Iraq, Yemen. They all met in Cairo to establish the Arab League, a regional organization of Arab states. 1972, Equal Rights Amendment passed by Congress. 2007, News Corporation at NBC announces a web deal. Let's see here. 1930, Stephen Sondheim is born. American musical theater giant. Louis L'Amour was born in 1908 on this day in history. 1933, Franklin Delano Roosevelt legalizes the sale of beer and wine on this day. It was the Beer and Wine Revenue Act. The law levies a federal tax on all alcoholic beverages to raise revenue for the federal government and gives individual states the option to further regulate the sale and distribution of beer and wine. When I lived in New Hampshire, the state owns the liquor stores. I believe you can still buy alcohol at other places, but the liquor stores themselves, or what some people call the package store, I think uh, some people call them the... What was the class six? I think is what they used to call it in the military. That was kind of a carryover from the old days, um, where they would have like a, a little shopette that was just a liquor store. But anyway, state of New Hampshire actually owns the liquor stores, I believe. 1894, the first Stanley Cup championship was played. Let's see here. Oh, uh, let's see. Okay, 1965, officials confirmed non-lethal gas was provided. Was U.S. had supplied the South Vietnamese armed forces with a non-lethal gas, which disables temporarily for the use in tactical situations in which the Viet Cong intermingle with or take refuge amongst non-combatants rather than use artillery or aerial bombardment. 1968, Westmoreland departed South Vietnam. And 1915, Russians take Austrian garrison at Premzil. And uh, 1942, Crips and Gandhi meet. So those are all things that happened this day in history. Not all those are, I don't know. Lawrence just does such a good job, kind of jazzes it up a little bit. Plus, he's a history professor by trade, so he knows a lot about history. He can kind of fill in the blanks on those. It's not as easy as it looks. I just discovered. Not nearly as easy as it looks. 
Let's talk about a few stories that are stranger than fiction, because oftentimes truth is stranger than fiction. These come from World Magazine's Quick Takes. Let me share a few with you. This one is ironic, and I wish Lawrence was here to defend himself. Remember, some of you might remember about maybe less than a year ago, we had an episode where we talked about cryptocurrencies a little bit. Yeah, well, here's an interesting one. Attendees of the North American Bitcoin Conference were able to pay their tickets, pay for their tickets with credit cards, debit cards, or cash. But one method of payment conference organizers would not accept ahead of the January meeting was Bitcoin. A week before the cryptocurrency summit, event planners stopped accepting ticket payments in Bitcoin because of slow transaction times and expensive trading fees. Conference organizer Mo Levin told Bitcoin.com that the event accepted Bitcoin payments until 14 days before the conference began. And then he said, we wish it was easier. Kind of ironic. Bitcoin conference and you can't pay in Bitcoin. Uh, let's see here. Here's another one. This is uh, entertaining. I wish you could see the picture. A Canadian man with time on his hands and a neighborhood full of snow managed to pull a fast one on local police. After a snowstorm blanketed Montreal January 15th, 33-year-old Simon Laprise got busy collecting snow and molding it into the shape of a DeLorean DMC-12. The snow sculpture was good enough to attract the attention of the Montreal police officer who grabbed his ticket book, believing he was seeing a car parked in a snow removal zone. After further investigation, the officer left a ticket that read, You made our night. Ha, ha, ha. The next morning, snowplows destroyed Laprise's sculpture. Huh. That's great. You know what? We should try and encourage police officers. I don't know how we could do something that would be parallel to that. We don't have snow, obviously. Maybe we could... Pile up palm fronds or something in the shape of a Volkswagen or in the shape of a Mazda MPV minivan. Yeah, let's let's do something like that. How about this? Diesel, the police dog, has never um, had an easy assignment. Police in St. John, New Brunswick, Canada, called the tracking dog on January 9th to hunt down a criminal accused of stealing steaks from the local store. Police say the dog picked up the scent almost immediately and enthusiastically led officers to a 29-year-old suspect carrying ill-gotten meat. That's, that's a phrase I just never thought I'd say. Ill-gotten meat. The department, in a release the next day, said steak was probably not the best thing to be carrying when, de- when uh, a determined police dog is tracking you down. Well, that's understatement. That's two Canadian police-related stories in one show. That's got to be a record. Oh, let's see here. Some of these just make you grateful you live on a tropical island. Let me just tell you. Like this one. This is from January, but on January 13th, a deep freeze in Siberian Village broke broke the official town thermometer. The electric thermometer in Oymakyakoin, Russia, gave up counting when the temperatures in the 500-person village reached minus 80 degrees Fahrenheit. Some brave town residents willing to go outside and check reported they saw temperatures reach 88.6 below. Local media reporters said a small group of Chinese tourists took the occasion to swim in a nearby hot spring. The far-flung village in eastern Russia bills itself as the coldest place to live on Earth. In 1933, temperatures dropped to minus 89.9, the coldest temperature recorded outside of Antarctica. Yeah, Siberian. Come visit us. Oh, I got to mention, if you would like to meet some very nice Russian people here on Guam, 
Now, of course, this place is not a sponsor of the show. If they would like to be, they could talk to us, but we don't have any sponsors. So, But at Panda Express in Agania right now, there's about half a dozen or more, maybe eight to ten, Russian employees training at Panda Express in Agania. So, let's say if you're Russian, for example, maybe you live on Guam, but you have Russian heritage, you should go by Panda Express and meet some of these folks. Maybe... Maybe you could strike up a conversation, show them some Guam hospitality, or if you just like to to encourage them. So yesterday I walked in, and I believe I noticed there was something different because it wasn't all the usual employees. There were some new new faces. All the new folks had black Pan Express shirts on, and their uniforms very sharp. Everyone looked sharp. They were all very attentive. The very first person, though, I noticed his name tag was Alexei, and it was spelled in a Russian way. So Alexei, and I noticed he had an accent, so I'm guessing maybe Russian, but I've gotten burned on this before. Like, I have um, one of my son's, my son's roommate in college. He's actually Latvian, and I got him mis- mistaken for uh, Russian. Someone else I know that was from uh, uh, Lithuania, I believe, and I accidentally mistook them for Russian. So I've done this more than once where I've made the wrong. So of course I didn't say, oh, are you Russian? Because that'll just get you in big, big trouble. However, this person, they were Russian actually. Uh, There's a whole team of Russian people learning. By the time I got to the cash register, I guess I worked my way through three of the the people that have been working at Pan Express in Agania for a while, but then they all had Russian partners with them. And so as you work your way down, they're explaining what to do. These new employees are helping prepare the food. Someone was doing a little bit of translation here and there for them. Uh, most of them spoke English, but I could tell one or two, you know, the the language barrier was a little bit there. You know, you're, you're, you're speaking with someone from America, speaking in American dialect of English, trying to order Chinese food in Guam with Russian trainees. Yeah, it was it was interesting, but it was great. They actually did a great job. By the time I got down to the cash register, um, I just said, oh, are you training? And the lady said, yes, we're from Russia. We're getting ready to open a Russian Panda Express. So we're here for training. I was like, oh, that's neat. You're doing a great job. So anyway, not trying to plug Panda Express or Russia or Russian Panda Express, just just letting you know what's happening in the community. We're here to uh, inform you of everything that's going on. Now, let me just kind of wrap up this hour with a couple other in-the-numbers type things here. By the numbers, that is. $463 million. That's the drop in casino mogul Stephen Wynn's net worth over three days following revelations that, that he had terrible misconduct with multiple employees. His uh, Axios reported the figures based on the plummeting stock values at the Wynn Resort. So this guy, Steve Wynn, big-time casino mogul, got got in trouble, got outed for some terrible behavior, some illegal behavior and with some of his employees, and his stock went down $463 million. Let's see here. Uh, let's, 50 years old. That's the age of Senator Tammy Duckworth, a Democrat from Illinois. That's how old she'll be next month when she is due to give birth to her second child. 
should become the first U.S. senator to ever give birth while holding office. So not only will she be 50 when she delivers, but the first U.S. senator to give birth while in office. 646,000. That's the maximum estimated deaths, number of deaths around the world every year due to seasonal flu outbreaks, according to the study of the Lancet. So 646,000 flu deaths uh, every year. 1.5%, that's the percentage of increase in murders in the United States during the first half of 2017, even as the total of violent crime fell, according to FBI data. And finally, 250,000. These are just different random numbers. The appropriate number of Venezuelan bolivars required to purchase one U.S. dollar in Venezuela black market in January. Inflation in the country hit 2,616% last year. Boy, that's sad. That is sad. That is a a total economic collapse there. Well, we have about five minutes left in this hour, and I don't want to dig into anything else. Well, you know what? Let's talk about one more thing, and then we'll wrap up the hour here. How's your March Madness bracket doing? Yeah. Um, I think that uh, people on social media, they're posting pictures of dumpsters that are on fire. Um, There were people weeping last weekend. Unless they're a Michigan fan, they're, they're pretty much really... Their brackets are gone. If you just pick the top most likely teams to win, they didn't win. So Virginia, number one, out, things like that. So if you're not a March Madness person, I'm just like you. I don't know who to pick. I don't watch much college basketball. The people who don't watch it seem to do really well this year. Loyola Chicago rambles on the Elite Eight with a win over Nevada. It's official. Loyola Chicago men's basketball team has even exceeded Sister Jean's expectations. With a 69-68 win over Nevada on Thursday night in Atlanta, the Ramblers, one of this year's Cinderella teams, advanced to the Elite Eight in the NCAA tournament. And they also busted the bracket of Sister Jean Dolores Schmidt, the 98-year-old Ramblers team chaplain, who had her favorite team advancing to only the Sweet 16. So this this sweet little uh, nun... Uh, she didn't even pick her own team to go past the Sweet 16. She didn't have faith that they would make it that far. So that's pretty interesting. They, Her bracket is busted, so to speak. I don't care that you broke my bracket, she said about the team. Uh, let's see. I think Marcus Towns is the best player on the court tonight, Loyola guard Custer said. I don't even think it was close. Uh, I am so happy for him. He is such a good basketball player and such a good person. I'm just happy he dominated the game tonight and led us. This is unbelievable. Feels like a dream, they said. The win leaves the number 11th seed Ramblers on the vic- uh, one victory from the Final Four appearance in San Antonio. Next up, Loyola, who's 31-5, and will play Saturday's regional final in Atlanta against the winner of the K-State-Kentucky game. That'll be a good game, I am sure. I think I have K-State winning that game, but I could be in the minority on that. Not not exactly sure. I'm from Missouri, Kansas area, so when it all comes down to it, I just try and pick a team that I'm familiar with how to pronounce their name, for example. So, and then I can get on the bandwagon and get, you know, cheap Kansas or Missouri gear uh, when I go to Walmart in the States. So it's, it's, it's a win-win for me. You know, I, I don't mind being a bandwagon fan. So how's your bracket doing? Why don't you get on our... 
Facebook page and let us know how your bracket's doing. If you're following NCAA basketball, maybe you're more of one of those people that just follows like cricket or something like that. Um, there, you know, I'm sure there's a tournament going on that started three days ago and is still going on today. It's the same match. It just goes on and on and on. And uh, maybe you're a cricket fan, maybe, or maybe you just like to stare at static on the TV screen. It's it's very similar to cricket. So anyway, I'm just messing with one of our regular listeners who is a huge cricket fan, as well as uh, he likes rugby as well. So anyway, we're going to take a break for the top of the hour news. This is Live Till 5, 88.1 FM, Harvest Family Radio, every Friday afternoon, 3 to 5 p.m., live, local, talk and variety programming. Usually we have a lot of different guests on the show. We talk about everything that's happening on Guam. It is spring break around here on this campus, so we're a little light on guests today, and so I'm just carrying this show through and talking about a number of different topics and things that I've come across this week, so I'm sharing those things with you. You can always download the podcast of this show and many other great shows that we produce here at Harvest Family Radio. Go to khmg.org and download the show. You can also listen live on your computer or on a smart device with Wi-Fi access. You can listen to the stream from our show anytime, night or day, just at khmg.org. It's really obvious when you pull up the web page. It's right there in the middle. Just click on listen. So we're going to take a little break now, and when we come back after the top of the hour... A little more topic of the day. Some things have just popped up in the news that are very interesting. And some more Stranger Than Fiction as well. And then we're going to wrap up the show today with the World Watch List 2018. The 50 countries where it's most dangerous to follow Jesus from Open Doors Ministry. We started off with number one last week, North Korea. Today we're going to talk about number two and three. Worst countries to live as a Christian. Plus we're going to talk about some of the most populated places in the world and some of the least densely populated places in the world. So a lot of different random information today, but it's a lot of fun. Glad to have you with us. This is KHMG 88.1 FM, Harvest Family Radio, Barragata Guam, live till 5. I'm Jared Baldwin, your host, episode 258 on this Friday, March 23rd. Stick around for another hour of live till 5 after the news. back with a little more live till five it's friday march 23rd episode 258 404 p.m here at the khmg studios if you ever miss part of the show you can tune in saturdays from noon to two sunday nights seven to nine p.m catch us on the rebound when we broadcast the show 
rebroadcast the show in its entirety, two hours of live local talk and variety programming every Friday afternoon. For the last 257 Fridays, this is our 258th. Wanted to put in a plug, and I'll let uh, Sebastian, because he's been the one that's been making the announcement, but there's a Yappies language showing of the Jesus film tonight. What are the details on that? Do you remember off the top of your head? Oh, sorry. Let me uh, make sure your microphone's on. There we go. How's that? Yeah. I there we go. I'm here. All right. Yeah. The um, It's it's at Calvary Baptist Church in Upper Tumon. Yep. Um, yeah, it's an ad been airing every hour. Um, it's the Jesus film. And basically, if you've ever heard of that film, it was translated into Yappies. So now pretty much anyone. Some of our local... Uh, Believers, Yappies believers here on Guam were some of the voices. Oh yeah, so I I didn't even know that. You yeah, they're from uh, <laughs> from Pastor Don Eckert's church, Guam oh. Baptist Church. Uh, some of the folks from his church are actually some of the voices of the Jesus film. Wow, yeah, that's awesome. So yeah, you can go see that at uh, six thirty, I believe, at uh, Calvary Baptist Church. Tumon. That's the premiere, so I'm pretty sure that it'll be available afterwards. Uh, yeah, it'll probably be available for download eventually. I think the Jesus film is. It's everywhere, and they they use it. Uh, missionaries use it all around the world to try and help. Uh, it's almost all word for word right out of the Gospels, and uh, really very valuable tool for missionaries and pastors to be able to use people in Bible studies, things like that. So it's neat to have a Yappies language version of it. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, we don't think much about it because you know everything's usually in English for us, right? Us English speakers, you know. Yep. So, but it's nice that we can get that translation. Absolutely. Now, uh, spring break has sprung, sprung broke uh, for some here, but for you and I, we both had to work about three days this week. Um, what did you do on your days off? Well, just, you know, being at home and, uh, you know, taking care of things there. But, and, but another day we went down to, uh, you know, we, there was this ni- nice deal at Hilton, mm-hmm. uh, kind of jumped on that. So it was it was nice and, you know... It was nice and restful for the days I had off, and yeah, you know, it wasn't as hectic here because it's, you know, just spring break for everyone. Yeah, it's so. quiet with everyone else, so yeah. as long as nothing breaks or blows up, should be fine. Yeah. So now you are a recent college graduate. When you were a college student, did you go and uh, travel during spring break and things yeah, like that? Actually, so I went to Canada for one of my spring breaks. I had a really good friend of mine who was Canadian. Okay. Usually, if people are going to travel during (laughs) spring break, they go to a warmer climate. Oh, yeah. We made the same mistake. We went to Niagara Falls for spring break one year, (laughs) and that was was a terrible miscalculation. We we realized why the hotels were so cheap, because Niagara Falls was frozen over. Yep. Yeah. I mean... um, the athletic director here, he's good friends with the guy I'm I'm friends with. Um, and, and he's so I, I went to uh his place for spring break and you know, we just drove up there from, from our school and I was just like, Yeah, I wanna go to Canada. Can I come to Canada? How long like, of a drive was that? So that was from Maranatha to uh International Falls. Oh, is this Nate? Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, it, from Maranatha to International Falls. So you're going up through Wisconsin, up through Duluth. And then you have a little bit more of a stretch. I can't remember exactly. We split up the trip, so that that was part of the fun, fun of it. We we gave someone a ride home, uh, um, on the way there. So they're like, "Hey, we're going through there. We can give you a ride there uh, for spring break." Otherwise, normally it's kind of you know hit or miss if you can go home or not for spring right, break right. for some students. So it's like, "Yeah, we're going through there. We'll give you a ride." Um, 
And then it also turned out that we could stay the night there. Um, so we just kind of split the trip in half. Uh, but yes, it was snowing hard. And uh, I remember as we were on our way there, we got kind of turned around by the GPS, a Tom Tom. And, uh, and we kind of went through, it felt like we were going through someone's backyard. Um, the road did, but it was just the road that we were supposed to be on, you know, cause we took mm-hmm. a ride somewhere and then eventually we started going up into this forest and it started feeling really creepy and, and not right. So we were like, I don't know if we should be up this way, but you know, it's dark and it's snowing. And as we get into the forest, we're starting to go uphill in this forest and it's snowing and something you don't think about is the road's not being plowed. <laughs> so we're going up this unplowed road on the in the forest. Uh, what kind of vehicle were you in? Uh, just a little, just a little car. Not a four wheel drive truck or anything like that. I don't know if I don't think I had four wheel drive. No, 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 not a not a truck. So eventually, we did get stuck on the way up. And you know, this is kind of behind that area that seemed like it was someone's backyard. You know, and it's a country backyard. You know, it's like. They got a big house. Acres. Yeah. yeah. But still, it felt like we were going through their territory. So it just felt creepy. And the uh, <laughs> we got stuck and we tried all sorts of things. We took the uh, the little foot mats out and we put it on un- right under the wheels in the front or in front of it. Did it work? Um, or did it well, just send well, them flying? With, with that in, in, uh, in unison with me trying to push the car up and my Hulk strength. Um, it didn't work. So I actually, <laughs> but, uh, eventually it, we were able to rock it back and forth enough where it was able to get up and remember this is uphill. So it's not even, yeah, it's, it's just a pain uphill. So I think eventually what we did was he backed it up some and, and mm-hmm. then was able to find traction to go up even more. And yep. so, yeah, we got out of there and, uh, that was intense. So, uh, but yeah, then we had eggs and bacon at the house the next morning and went on to Canada, which was even the bigger you know, the bigger part of the adventure. Yeah, of but, course. Yeah. But yeah. Just, so you actually crossed the border. Yeah. 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 Um, so that was, that was fun. Um, I mean, it w- getting into Canada seemed a little bit more hard for me because, mm-hmm. you know, I'm kind of scared. Like I'm just American, you know, yep. and, uh, but it was actually a little bit more intense trying to get in. Um, especially with me. They ask you some questions <laughs> at the border. Oh yeah. And they, they what run. What are you doing here? Yeah. 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 I, and Yeah. Yeah, so. we've done that a couple of times. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I had some amazing... The water up there was amazing. Like, I could bottle that water and sell it. Yeah. Actually, I, I did drink a bottle of water here once. Uh, one of the church members' house, I had invited over the team. Um, and I remember the bottled water. I was like, this water tastes so good. I've, I remember having this water once before. <laughs> and it was like, it was in... I think it was Ontario, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, it's from Ontario. And then I look at the bottled water and it's from Ontario. I'm like, oh, oh yeah. yeah. There you go. That water. So, but you have that. It makes for better like root beer at A&W because they oh, have yes. A&W up there. That's right. They, oh, they coffee have at in those, Tim Hortons. They have oh, Tim yeah. Hortons also. Yeah. And, and when you get like the root beer up there, it's like you get those big glass mugs. Yes, frosted mug. Frosted mug. And it tastes so good, especially with that. Like the water just makes it that much better, yep. I guess. But, yep. but. I remember having the poutine, I think it's oh, like yes. gravy yeah. and cheese yeah. and fries. Yes. Right. Yeah. Oh, amazing. That's the best French fry dish you can yeah. get. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. 
So, I, yeah, I had that. I had, you know, Tim Hortons and tried Canadian bowling, which is five pins and about half the size of a ball. It, is it, it's like, I think they also call it candlestick bowling, right? Because it's smaller. Everything's kind of smaller yeah. scale, right? Yeah. 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 But I, I struck it out. Did, really the, did it automatically reset the pins or did someone have to go out and reset yeah, the pins? Yeah, it was automatically okay. reset. Okay. I mean, it was basically like everything was normal except for just the... Just, just smaller five, scale, right? Yeah. Half the number of pins. Half yeah. the number of pins. I think we had ball. that in New Hampshire, too. I think they call it their candlestick bowling. But same same idea. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, it was fun seeing the candies that were available there, chocolates that were available there that you wouldn't normally get in America. Yeah. Uh, yeah. United States. And then you turn around and go back and get back to school. Got back in the car, went back down. Yeah. And uh, resumed school. Yeah, headed south to Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. By the way, it was about, I'd say, about four feet of snow, four feet tall of snow when we were there on spring break. So, I mean, this was pretty intense. Yeah, yeah. I remember just looking over his car and the snow being up to the top of his car where he he was parked at. So, going the exact opposite way of everyone else. I mean, even this, even the geese know not to go north uh, during spring break. So. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's fun. Well, hey, and now you're married, and spring break's something totally different. You got a job. Yeah. <laughs> you have responsibilities. So, yeah, I got a job yep, now. Yep. The world has changed. I think uh, I was talking to someone that's a student, and they were like, So, what are you doing? I said, Well, I'm going to work. They're like, What? But, you know, to them, spring break means just straight time off. You know, yeah. don't even think about anything. But, you know, the show must go on, yeah. literally and figuratively. I mean, I had a couple limbo years after high school not yeah. not many but i did notice uh some friends were well actually when i was coming back for break after uh uh while i was in college i had other friends who were who had already graduated by the time i was like two years into college and so i was like yeah spring break he's like yeah that doesn't mean anything to me I gotta go back <laughs> yeah. To <work." laughs> yeah that's what i i had the uh, men's bible say yesterday and i had about six guys there i think six and uh, those guys, you know, they don't get spring break. So one of CW is listening right now, and then a couple military guys, and uh, Adonis and uh, Ray. So they all just had, you know, normal work. But uh, about half the group was out because maybe their kids were on spring break. Ed was gone, traveling, things like that. So yeah. some of them spring break affects them a lot. Others just normal, just normal life. Yeah, that's that. Welcome to normal life, Sebastian. <laughs> so you're all grown up now. I'm so. all grown up. Yeah. So now you do anything this weekend uh, before spring break is over for you? No, just just uh, practice for the uh, cantata, the Easter cantata. Super oh, excited yeah. about that. Um, You're singing. I'm singing. Yeah, I'll be singing. Like not a solo or anything, but I'm just part of it. And it's just, yeah, you just really put a lot into it. And there'll be two showings of that. That's so. right. Easter morning, I believe there's an 8.30 showing and a 10 a.m. showing. Yes. Or it's a 9 and 10.30. Hey, just come at 8, <laughs> just in case. We're going to have a continental breakfast as well, so some free breakfast yeah. over at the Family Life Center. You can come. You can stay for either showing, and that's going to be a great time with the Easter cantata. We'll, we'll say more about that throughout the week this week leading up to it, and, of course, on Good Friday we'll be talking about it quite a bit, but wanted to at least put that in there. Do you guys have practice this weekend for it? Yeah, it's t- tomorrow, actually. Okay. Uh, yeah, we got yeah. some practice. And for any choir member that doesn't know that, we have practice tomorrow. Like, yeah, yeah. From 10 yeah. to 12. Yeah, you, spring <laughs> break's over. Get back to work. <laughs> That's right. That's yeah. right. Awesome. Okay. Well, Sebastian, I hope you have a great weekend and uh, you and Jessica enjoy your last day of spring break, you know, before you kind of get back into, you know, busy life again. So, yeah. 
All right. And thanks for uh, coming on the show. Now I didn't have to do the whole thing solo. <laughs> of course. All right. Awesome. <laughs> Listeners, stick around. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, I have some more stories to share with you. Some stuff about the world around us, things that are happening in the news, and some stranger than fiction, and then wrapping up with the world watch list of places where it's hard for Christians to live. So stick around. This is episode 258 of Live Till 5. More after this short break. back with a little more live till five i'm your host jared baldwin friday march 23rd 4 20 p.m here at the khmg studios want to share something cw's been listening and uh he sent me a note and cw would know because he is in the financial field he sent me a money magazine article the first country to adopt a cryptocurrency is right in our backyard Many of you listening might have been there. Maybe you're even from there. Certainly you have some friends from there. The cryptocurrency will have equal status with the U.S. dollar in this country. Majuro Marshall Islands, the tiny Marshall Islands, is creating its own digital currency in order to raise some hard cash to pay bills and boost the economy. The Pacific Island Nation said it became the first country in the world to recognize a cryptocurrency as its legal tender when it passed a law this week to create the digital sovereign, or the SOV, the SOV. In the nation of 60,000 people, cryptocurrency will have equal status with the U.S. dollar as a form of payment. Venezuela last month became the first country to launch its own cryptocurrency when it launched the virtual Petro. Backed by crude oil reserves, the Marshall Islands said that SOV will be different because it will be recognized in law as legal tender effectively backed by the government. This Money Magazine online article goes on to state, The Marshall Islands is patterning, is partnering with Israeli company NEMA to launch the SOV. It plans, it, it plans, sorry, it, it plans to sell some of the currency to international investors and spend the proceeds the Marshall Islands says the SOVs, the SOV will require users to identify themselves, thus avoiding the anonymity that has kept Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies from gaining support from governments. This is a historic moment for our people, finally issuing the and using our own currency alongside the U.S. dollar. President Hilda Hein said in a statement, she goes on to say, it is another step of manifesting our national liberty. The Marshall Islands is closely aligned with the U.S. under the Compact of Free Association and uses the dollar as its currency. Under the Compact, the U.S. provides the Marshall Islands with about $70 million each year in assistance. The U.S. runs a military base on Kwajalein Atoll. Lawmakers passed the cryptocurrency measure Monday following five days of heated debate. It's unclear when the nation will issue the currency. Leaders hope the SOV will one day be used as by residents for everything from paying taxes to buying groceries. The law states that the Marshall Islands will issue 24 million SOVs in what it calls an initial currency offering, an ICO. 
Half of these will go to government and half will go to NEMA. The Marshall Islands intends to intentionally sell 6 million SOVs to international investors. It says it will use the money to help pay for the budget, invest in projects to mitigate the effects of global warming, and support those people still affected by the U.S. nuclear testing. The country also intends to hand out 2.4 million SOVs to residents. NEMA Chief Executive Barack Ben Ezer said the SOV marked a new era for cryptocurrency. Quote, SOV is about getting rid of excuses for not shifting to digital assets, he said in a statement. He said it solved a huge problem with cryptocurrencies, which haven't previously been recognized as real money by banks, quote unquote, regulators and the U.S. International or Internal Revenue Service. Some lawmakers expressed concern about the large amount of new currency that would go to the Israeli company, while others argued the country had urgent needs and the cash would help. Jehan Chu, the Hong Kong-based co-founder of blockchain platform Kinetic, said he thought it was an amazing move by the Marshall Islands and was the way of the future. Quote, physical currency is going by the wayside and as an antiquated, obsolete form of transacting, end quote. But Chu added that he didn't think the currency would hold much appeal for international investors or be particularly valuable outside the Marshall Islands. And many people in the Marshall Islands and beyond remain skeptical about cryptocurrencies. Bank of England Governor Mark Carney said the past week that a global speculative mania has encouraged the proliferation of the currencies and that they need to be held to the same standards as the rest of the financial system. The prices of many cryptocurrencies have exhibited the classic hallmarks of bubbles reliant in part on finding the greater fool, end quote, Carney said in a speech in the Scottish Economic Conference in Edinburgh. So, Marshall Islands is going to cryptocurrency. What do you think about that? That's, that's pretty amazing. Um, I, I have to say, even though we did host a show about cryptocurrency, and I understand the basic like, I know that American currency, initially at least, was based on a gold standard. I know we're not on a gold standard anymore. There's not gold in the bank for every penny that's circulating in, in a, the American U.S. dollar. However, it's backed by some type of standard, whereas cryptocurrency is not backed by a standard. So it already makes some people very nervous. Cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin, for example, I know had an explosion of growth. I read a article about a... Uh, musician in the U.S. who allowed one of his albums production to be paid, like he got paid his royalties in 600 Bitcoin. Uh, no, 6,000 Bitcoin. Early in the days of Bitcoin, he allowed this to happen. He didn't think twice about it. He's uh, He just kind of let it sit. Well, it went from $600 per Bitcoin to ballooned up to $20,000. Now it's back down to 9000 or something per Bitcoin. But he's sitting on, I believe he said, 6000 Bitcoin. And so it's worth millions. So it actually, in that case, was a wise investment, I guess. But uh, not all stories end like that. I know some people have invested and they're not real happy with it. Other people, they're riding it out. They really believe in it. I'm kind of ambivalent. I, I don't think I'll invest in it, but I don't invest in much anyway. So I'm not an expert at all. Don't want to throw any shade on Bitcoin or cryptocurrency at this time because I don't know enough. But you know what I know a lot about? Denny's. Yep, that's it. The diner. The place where you can go 24 hours a day and get the ultimate omelet 
or the moons over my hammy or the moons over my hamwich or you can get um you can get mickey mouse pancakes or pooh bear pancakes or whatever they have there 10 things you might not know about Denny's. This is from Mental Floss. It was originally named, not Lenny's, that was a 1980s TV commercial that Grandma just loved, where it was two hard-of-hearing elderly ladies, sisters, and they're going to go to dinner. And the one sister would say, where do you want to go? And the other one would say, let's go to Denny's. And then the hard-of-hearing sister would say, what, Lenny's? And she's like, no, Denny's. And so that was the big joke. So for my family, it was called Lenny's for a number of years, uh, because of my grandma just loving that joke. But anyway, Richard Gizak and Harold Butler opened the first Danny's Donuts in Lakewood, California, 1953. There was no notable Danny in either of their lives. They just thought the alliteration was charming. The 24-hour donut shop grew quickly, expanding to a larger menu, roughly 20 locations by 1959, and changing its name to Danny's Coffee Shops along the way. But the founders worried that the mini chain was at risk of getting confused with a nearby coffee dance. So, they switched one letter to create Denny's that we know today. Number two, Hank Aaron inspired the signature breakfast. You know what the signature breakfast is, don't you? Yeah, the Denny's Grand Slam breakfast combo platter debuted in Atlanta location 1977 as a nod to Hank Aaron, who had set the new Major League Baseball home run record while playing for the Braves three years before. Number three, Denny's almost never closes, which means it once overlooked a very important feature. Denny's has been famous for decades for their 24-hour promise all 365 days of the year. If you want breakfast food late at night on a Sunday, Denny's has you covered. But the problem with this policy took a... Uh, took a few years to show itself. When almost all the Denny's locations closed for Christmas Day 1988, many stores realized that they didn't have any keys or even locks since they never used them. All told, 700 of the 1,221 Denny's restaurants needed to get new locks installed for the holiday. That's funny. We actually, here on Guam, uh, Denny's will close, I think, once a year for like half a shift or something like that so they can have their Christmas party. When Denny's offered free food, they realized how many people love free food. In 2009-2010, Denny's ran a rather tantalizing Super Bowl ad. The spot promised free Grand Slam breakfast to all customers one day of the week uh, in following the big game. After serving up 2 million free meals each of those years, the chain called off the free-for-all. They do have free food on Tuesdays for kids, I believe, still. Denny's loved the show Breaking Bad. I guess they featured some stuff from Denny's there. Uh, it's been on some other pop pop television shows. It loves the Hobbit movies. In both 2012 and 2013, Denny's featured a limited time Middle Earth menu uh, pegged to installments of the Hobbit movies. Most of the items included classic autumnal flavors like turkey, pecan, pumpkin, and seemed plenty hearty enough uh, to not necessitate a second breakfast. In Japan, Denny's makes jambalaya in microwavable form. I'm going to Japan in a couple weeks. Sebastian and I were just talking about that. Maybe I'll have to try their jambalaya. New York City's Denny's adds a little class to the classic diner breakfast. New York City got its first Denny's in 2014, and the Financial District Diner does things a little differently than other locations. To infuse a little Big Apple sophistication, the menu includes cocktails, often pricier than main courses, and a $300 Grand Cru Slam breakfast. For the cost of an upscale dinner, a pair of patrons can get two Grand Slam breakfasts and a vintage bottle of 2003 Dom Perignon Premier Cru Champagne and a high five from the server. Tinnies, uh, number 10, Denny's landed some big name celebs 
in a web series, and I didn't print that page, so I don't know who they were. But yeah, Denny's. Denny's here on Guam is really good. My son and I ended up over there a week or two ago, and we both were like, wow, this is really good. If you need to go eat somewhere at 10 o'clock at night, it's one of your top two or three choices, okay? I also really like Kings, just saying, GPO. But Denny's, right up there, consistent, good coffee, good service, great menu. Um, now, if you're from the States and you're used to stateside All-American Grand Slam prices, you might be a little disappointed because it's considerably higher here. I'm assuming that's because of the cost of getting the food here and everything, but always very good food. Never had a bad meal at Denny's here on Guam. Always been very encouraged by their service and their attentiveness. So there you go. Kind of a, a little little information about Denny's. Maybe maybe, maybe it's because it's, it's close to dinner, and uh, I'm just feeling a little hungry. We're going to talk about some other things in the news, some things I read this week, Stranger Than Fiction, as well as most populated and least populated places on the planet and ending with World Watch, places where it's just tough to be a Christian. So stick around for a little more Live Till 5, episode 258 on this Friday, March 23rd. I'm Jared Baldwin, your host. 4.33 p.m. on the live broadcast. Listen on Saturdays, noon to 2, or Sunday nights, 7 to 9 p.m. Catch us on The Rebound or download the podcast through khmg.org. More Live Till 5 after this short break. with a little more live till 5. It's Friday afternoon, March 23rd, 4.36 p.m. here at the KHMG Studios. You know, Reuters has news in it because it's out of France that you just don't see all the time in American news media. I'm not saying it's any better or worse. It's just different. It's a, it's a good place to go if you want to catch some stories maybe you're not going to see other places. Uh, they're they're sourcing them from other places, and they're a pretty big organization. They they just generate a lot of content as well. A couple interesting stories I found, stranger than fiction, because oftentimes truth is stranger than fiction, including this one here: Turkish chef savor sweet success with world record baklava. This is out of Ankara. Reuters says a group of chefs in Turkey claim the world's record for the largest baklava on Thursday with a giant tray of the pastry dessert weighing over half a ton. The giant baklava was presented at a gastronomy summit in Ankara, where dozens of visitors clamored for a piece. Mehmet Kanbur, who led the group of the 14 chefs, is also the head of the Turkey's Mado patisserie chain, said the baklava weighed 518 kilos, more than doubling the previous record, and had been in works for six months. The feat was confirmed by Guinness World Records official who monitored the event video link state-run Andula Agency reported. Baklava, whose origin is disputed between Turkey and Greece, is prepared with fresh pistachios or walnuts and a glistening honey glaze on top of puff pastry. 
This is, of course, Turkey's achievement. Turkey baklava, Kenber said. As you know, Turkey people are born eating sweets and die eating sweets. This is what we say to the whole world. Eat sweets, talk sweet, Kenber said. This record is a sweet message to the world. Let's not talk fighting. Let's talk sweet. There you go. Baklava. Pretty tasty. Very sticky, by the way. It's not something you can, like, drive and eat because your hands get so sticky because of the honey. Here you go. Uh, we do have a team of people here from Guam, about 18, 19 people from Harvest and here on Guam that are in Israel right now. And uh, they're going to visit the Western Wall. And twice a year, I read this in Reuters as well, a rabbi of the Western Wall oversees the collection of thousands of notes to ensure there's always room for more. The papers are then buried on Jerusalem's Mount of Olives in accordance with ritual. The Western Wall is a remnant of the compound of the Second Temple that was destroyed in 70 AD. It stands today beneath a religious plaza known to Muslims as the Noble Sanctuary and to the Jews as the Temple Mount. So a little spring cleaning. You know how we clean out our email inbox? This is the uh, Jewish version of that with the Lord. Anyway, Christie's to auction rare watch once owned by Egyptian king. This is a beautiful watch, by the way. If you can see this picture, this is out of Dubai, where some of our staff members, including KC, who's a regular contributor to this show, is on her way back from Dubai right now. Rare gold watch once owned by Egypt's king Farouk is expected to fetch four hundred to 800000 when it auctions this week at Christie's in Dubai. Made in 1944 and embossed with old Egyptian royal crest, Patek Philippe, 1518, with their perpetual calendar and chronograph, is said to be one of only 281 such models ever made by the prestigious Swiss watchmaker. The watch is covered... The watch... The watch is the cover lot for the auction on Friday, with the value of the sale expected to be announced on Saturday. King Farouk, Egypt's last king before a 1952 revolution overthrew the monarchy, was a collector of rare watches, a hobby inherited from his father, King Faud. He owned Patek Philippe and Vecheron Constantine watches and also collected cars and coins. It is a beautiful watch. I mean, I don't have real great success with watches. Um, I scratch them and break them. And so... I don't like spending too much on watches. About $100 is my price range. So that, that's about it. Here's another interesting story from Reuters. Americans are drinking a daily cup of coffee at the highest level in six years, according to a survey. Out of New Orleans, the number of Americans drinking a daily cup of coffee is at the highest level since 2012, with demand continuing to get a boost from at-home consumption and gourmet drinks. The industry study showed on Sunday, 64% of Americans ages 18 or over said they have a cup of coffee the previous day in 2018. That compares with 62% in 2017 and roughly on par with levels as seen in 2012. The survey underscores the strong U.S. market for the caffeinated beverages, even as demand for soda and juices continues a year-long decline. Coffee, bottled water, and tea have been major growth categories in recent years, the survey showed. About 3,000 respondents said that what they drank yesterday was a cup of coffee sometime during the day yesterday. There you go. It's basically an, uh, an industry that doesn't decline. Now, here's one. I'm not going to read the story, but I used to think that this was cool, and now I just think it's weird. At 55, the French Spider-Man keeps climbing world skyscrapers. This is the guy who basically free climbs all kinds of buildings. He just only uses 
basically his bare hands, climbing shoes, uh, chalk bag, things like that. He is he's a free climber. His name is Alain Robert, also known as the French Spider-Man. And he gets arrested for a lot of these and things like that because it is very dangerous. He's climbed over 150 different skyscrapers. But bottom line, I think he's just weird. I mean, yes, I remember as a child looking at trees and saying, wow, I'd like to climb that. But at some point, 55 years old, you know his time is going to run out. It's just a matter of time. He is he is going to, uh, you know, in his life will end probably doing the hobby that he loves, this illegal hobby he loves. So I don't know. I guess I'm taking a different approach now that I'm a little older. I used to think it was so cool. Now, not so much. I think there's something wrong with people that want to do that. Anyway, populated cities. Ten most populated cities in the world. Number ten, New York slash Newark, United States. The city of New York, also known as the Big Apple, and the tri-city that never, the city that never sleeps, and neighboring Newark are home to approximately 18,604,000 people. Number nine, Cairo, Egypt. Romanticized in the movies and literature, Cairo is a beautiful place to visit in the holidays, but may not be the best place for those who are claustrophobic. 19 million people there. Bigger than New York. Number eight, Osaka, Japan. Charming corner shops and rich cultural center, Osaka has attracted many foreigners to come and live in its beautiful city. They have over 20 million in Osaka. Number seven, Mexico City, Mexico. Financial hub for Latin America, cultural center that celebrates the modern and the ancient. The city was built on top of the capital city of the Aztec Empire. Mexico City, extraordinary place, 21,157,000. Beijing, China. Over 1.3 billion people live inside China's borders. 21,240,000 of them are in Beijing. Number five, Sao Paulo, Brazil. The most populated city below the equator with an approximate population of 21,297,000 houses an incredible array of institutions from finance to culture. Mumbai, India. Attracting people from nearby cities because of its cosmopolitan charm and job opportunities, Mumbai now has a population of around 21,235,000. Sorry. Shanghai, China. So two of the largest are in China, two of the largest are in India. Shanghai, China, most populated city in China. Certainly not for those who tired of the who are tired of the hustle and bustle of city life. Twenty one million four hundred eighty four thousand. Delhi, India, population projected to reach thirty six million by twenty thirty. It's an understatement to say that Delhi is a very crowded city today. It is home to approximately twenty six million four hundred fifty four thousand. But the largest city, so China has two, India has two. And Japan has two in the largest city in the world, the most populated city. Although its population is predicted to, be, predicted to begin declining, Tokyo is still projected to hold the top spot as the most populated city on Earth until 2030. Modern, stylish, full of culture, Tokyo is one of the most captivating cities to live, but also the most tightly packed. And in a city of approximately 38,148,000 people you're sure to have a hard time just pushing through the crowds to get to your destination so it exceeds the next city delhi india by over 12 million or 11 and a half million people that's crazy on the opposite end of the spectrum the least densely populated places in the world australia australia is number 10 three people per square kilometer number n- 
let's see, number nine here. Actually, it got cut off on my printing here. Oh, Suriname, French, uh, French Guinea. Number eight, Namibia, 2.6 people per square kilometer. Number seven, uh, let's see here. I'm trying to see. I have some ads that end up popping over. Number six is Mongolia, 1.9 people per square kilometer. Tristan da Cunha, 1.3 people per square kilometer. There's a good documentary on YouTube about that. Falkland Islands are 0.21 people per square kilometer. Uh, Let's see here. Uh, Norway, parts of Norway, north of Norway, are even less than that. But the least populated area on the planet, besides like Antarctica or someplace like that, Greenland, 0.03 people per square kilometer. So this is the lowest populated places with actual settlements. Greenland, number one. Falkland Islands, two. Pitcairn's Islands, three. Mongolia, four. Namibia, five. French Guiana, France, uh, 2.65. That's number six. Australia, seven. Iceland, eight. Suriname, nine. Mauritania, 10. Botswana, 11. Libya, Guyana, Canada. Whoa, Canada is 14th least populated. Uh, Niu, New Zealand. Gabon, Kazakhstan, Central African Republic, Russia, Chad, Bolivia, Turkmenistan, Mali, Republic of the Congo, Oman, New Caledonia, Saudi Arabia, Belize, Niger, and 30th least populated places on the world, Argentina, 14.4 people per square kilometer. So if you're looking for big, wide open spaces, those would be places to go, as opposed to going to Delhi, Mumbai, Shanghai, Tokyo, Osaka, places like that. So we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we are going to wrap up the show talking about some of the most difficult places in the world to be a Christian. You're listening to Live Till 5. It's Friday afternoon, March 23rd, 447 p.m. here on this episode 258 of Live Till 5. Stick around a little more Live Till 5 after this short break. Walk with me, Lord, God, walk with me, while I'm on this old tedious journey, I want Jesus to walk with me. Take my hand, Lord. And we're back with the last few minutes of Live Till 5. We have about nine minutes left. It's 4.51 p.m. on this Friday, March 23rd. Again, if you ever miss part of the show, two ways to catch it. Saturdays and Sundays, we rebroadcast the show. Noon to 2 Saturday, 7 to 9 p.m. on Sunday. Catch us on the rebound. Or download the podcast through khmg.org, which is usually available just a few hours after the live broadcast. So either way, you can uh, catch the rest of the show or catch the parts you missed or listen to it again. I want to spend the last few minutes talking about the World Watch List of 2018. Just was released by Open Doors Ministries. 215 million Christians experience high levels of persecution in the countries on the World Watch List. This represents one of 12 Christians worldwide. North Korea, which we talked about last week, is ranked number one for the 16th consecutive year. During the World Watch List 2018 reporting period, 3,066 Christians were killed. 1,252 were abducted. 
1,020 were raped or sexually harassed. 793 churches were attacked. Islamic oppression fuels persecution in eight of the top 10 countries. Now, here is number two, the second most difficult place for Christians to exist, Afghanistan. Source of persecution is Islamic persecution. Sorry. Source of persecution is Islamic oppression. Hard to say. Hard to read. Population, 34 million people. Christians in the thousands, unspecified. Main religion is Islam. They have a presidential Islamic republic. They have a almost maximum number of profile of persecution in this little guide. I would encourage you to look up the World Watch List. If you're interested in knowing about how Christians around the world fare and give you some things to be burned about, pray about, and uh, maybe consider even this informing the way you give to missions and things like that, you should look up the World Watch List from Open Doors Ministries. This is very informative. This one, this little booklet, came inside of a Christianity Today magazine I just got. So it is dangerous to be a Christian in Afghanistan Because Afghanistan is an Islamic state by constitution, government officials, ethnic group leaders, religious officials, and citizens are hostile toward adherence of any other religion. Because all Christians in Afghanistan are essentially converts, they are unable to express their faith even in private. Converts can experience loss of personal property and businesses, beatings, and even death at the hands of their own family members and community. That's in Afghanistan. Then number three on the list, Somalia, very close behind Afghanistan. It's an Islamic oppression, is the source of their persecution. Their population is 11,392,000, a few hundred Christians in the whole country, only a few hundred. The main religion is Islam. They rank almost as high as you could possibly rank on this persecution and violence and pressure list. Islam is the state religion, and society expects all Somalis to be Muslim. Imams in mosques and madrasas are all well, as well as leaders of the Al Shabaab state, publicly state there is no room for Christians in the country. In Somalia, there are no safe places for Christians to practice their faith. It is a violent country where believers are, face horrific challenges, but Christians still choose to follow Jesus, knowing the dangers. So, Afghanistan and Somalia, number two and three on the World Watch List. Again, I encourage you to pick up a copy of that. You can go to their website. You can download it. been looking at that for years. It's, it's, it's sad. It's troubling. It makes you more prayerful. It makes you more grateful for what we have. We live in what we call the land of the free and the home of the brave. Remember that at the end of the Star Spangled Banner? We talked about the there was this day in history, uh, how Francis Scott Key, or no, that was the uh, Happy Little Accidents, Francis Scott Key riding the Star-Spangled Banner on the back of an envelope, and it ends with the land of the free and the home of the brave. And those freedoms, because of those that were brave enough to defend them and fight for them and, and write them down and vote on them in our past, have given us the freedoms to worship freely, to have a, a Christian radio station. And how the government is fine with it. We have a men's Bible study in a restaurant in the middle of the day. And we don't have to ask anyone for permission. We don't have to check our sermons at church with the government. We don't have to worry about the government coming in and extorting or putting pressure on. We don't have to meet in secret. We can meet anytime we want. 
We can invite people. We can proselytize. We can see people converted. We can do all of these things because of the country we live in. We live in a free nation. It's such a blessing. And we pray that we'll always have those blessings. And we're grateful that America's influence around the world has brought some of those same freedoms to other countries. But we would be naive to think that this is the majority of the world. The majority of the world live in places where it's harder than America to be Christians. Even in European countries where it's free countries, being a Christian is not always as easy. You know, some countries in Europe, uh, churches have to pay taxes, whereas in America, churches don't have to pay property tax and things like that. And so there are just some things that it's just harder. Not all of them are full-blown persecution or where people's lives are in danger, but it is harder. And so we're very grateful. Thank you to the men and women who are out there defending our freedoms even today around the world. Those members of the United States Armed Forces, we're grateful. We, we are saddened to hear about the persecution in these other countries this weekend. As we meet together for worship on Sunday morning at 1030 here at Harvest, we try to remember those that are meeting in secret in nearby countries. And speaking of Harvest Baptist Church, let me just put in one final plug, and then we'll be wrapping up the show. But I want to invite you this Sunday morning, Palm Sunday, to Harvest Baptist Church. If you don't have a church home, please come visit us. We don't want to pull you away from a Bible-preaching church that you might already be attending or you might be affiliated with. If you are in that situation, be faithful to where you're called. But if you don't have a church home, or maybe you're looking for a church home, come visit us here at Harvest this Sunday morning. I get the privilege of preaching this Sunday at 10.30 a.m., at the auditorium, right here in our church auditorium. And so I'd encourage you to come visit us this Sunday. I think you'll enjoy it. I think it'll be a blessing to you. I know we'll be blessed if we get to see you this Sunday. And if you do come because you heard of this invitation through the radio, let us know you heard about it through KHMG. Because this radio station was started 22 years ago this upcoming Monday as an outreach of Harvest Baptist Church. And so that's how it all ties together. Thank you for listening to these two hours, kind of wrapping up the spring break for some of you. Some of you are getting ready to go on spring break, but uh, you're listening to this show live till five on KHMG 88.1 FM, Harvest Family Radio, Barragata Guam. Stick around for SRN News. Have a great weekend.